Hi, I'm Andrew, and this is the Daily Keenon podcast about today's global crisis. The coronavirus pandemic is dramatically disrupting not only our own daily lives, but also society itself. This show features conversations with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers about the deeper economic, political, and technological consequences of the pandemic. It's the daily podcast trying to make long-term sense out of the chaos of today's global crisis. A few shows ago, I had Robert Draper, the military historian who just wrote a really interesting book about the Iraq war called To Start a War, how the Bush administration took America into Iraq. And one of the core questions I asked Robert was um, whether or not uh, Bush lied about the supposed weapons of mass destruction. And he kind of hummed and he hard and he, he, he didn't answer the question. In the end, I said to him, look, Rob, you've got to tell me, yes or no, did he lie? And in the end, he said, yes, he did. Although, of course, he has no formal proof. The idea of lying as a president, shall we say, lying in state, has a history, not just, of course, with the current uh, incumbent in, in the White House, but a long way back. Um, Eric Alterman is the media correspondent, He's been writing a column for The Nation for many years, one of America's leading authorities on uh, politics and the media. He has a new book out on lying. It's called Lying in State, Why Presidents Lie and Why Trump is Worse. Um, Eric, uh, before we get to Trump, your book is a narrative of American presidents lying, and you begin at the beginning with the early history of the republic. So Trump is certainly not the first or the last American president to lie. Yeah, well, uh, I think politics generally involves lying. Uh, two things, you can't get money out of politics and you can't get lying out of politics. You have to decide what are the parameters you can live with. And um, our, our presidents have lied since the beginning. George Washington lied a little bit. Tom Jefferson lied a lot. Uh, Polk lied an enormous amount and increased the size of the country by uh, about a third. Um, Donald Trump's something new, but certainly the idea of presidential lies are not something new. I, I wrote a book about the topic back in 2004. What about Teddy Roosevelt, considered now one of America's greatest president. So we had a show about him recently as well. Was he a liar? Because I assume you can be a pretty good president and also tell a few fibs here and there. Interestingly, there's really very little connection between how we rate our presidents and how much they lied. T uh, Teddy Roosevelt was a liar, sure. Franklin Roosevelt was a bigger liar than Teddy Roosevelt and is considered by most, including myself, to be a greater president. Teddy Roosevelt definitely lied. Uh, the lie I spend most time with Teddy Roosevelt on has to do with the uh, phony revolution he incited in order to create the country of Panama so that he could take over the canal. Uh, everything that uh, he said about that was made up. It, the revolution wasn't real. It was entirely uh, a foreign operation. And, uh, and Roosevelt um, took advantage of the inability of people to know what was going on to make this happen. Uh, but, it, it, but it was largely successful. It took a while for it to be successful. And 
in the immediate aftermath, when it didn't look like it, things were going so well, the lies seemed to matter. But once it became clear that uh, the canal was going to work out just fine, nobody cared about the lies. That's how things work. Recently on the show as well, we had Isabella de Grazia, the uh, Columbia University uh, historian who's just written a book about Italian fascism. At the end of the conversation, I asked her for a book that she would recommend people read. She suggested Machiavelli's The Prince, which is, of course, in, in the history of political thought, the one text which seems to suggest, although it's still quite controversial, that lying is morally okay in politics. What's your position on this, Eric, when it comes to lying and morality. Can it sometimes be justified to lie? Well, I'm perfectly happy with the lies that Franklin Roosevelt told to save civilization from the Nazis. The United States was um, not ready to prepare itself to fight uh, the most powerful politicians and voices in the political discourse in the media, et cetera, were against any form of preparation uh, to fight the Nazis. And, uh, and if Roosevelt had allowed their views to uh, govern his actions, the United States might not have been able to defeat Hitler. Uh, so he lied. And while he, while he pretended that he had no interest, well, he pretended that he was trying to keep us out of war, he was actually trying to get us into the war. Uh, and, he, and we had incidents in, uh, in, that, in, the pre, in the period leading up to World War II that are remarkably similar to the incidents that led the United States into Vietnam. And the lies are kind of similar too. Um, and yet, what can I say? I, I don't, a little lying versus defeating Hitler, it's a pretty easy choice. Um, look, lying is part of life. Uh, people lie all the time. You and I probably lie all the time, although I don't know you very well. But Have you told people, any lies yet in this conversation? <laughs> Um, according to the, uh, the psych psychological research I've read, men, men lie on average like seven times a week, which I guess is once a day. Women lie about three times a week. Men lie to build themselves up. Women lie to assuage other people's feelings. And quite oftentimes in everyday life, lying is the right thing to do. Um, so I don't take a big moral position on lies. I think they're a problem for democracy, because you can't, you can't vote for a politician if you don't know what he's going to do. And if he lies about what he's going to do, then the democracy doesn't really work. I also think they're a problem for presidents, because when presidents lie, they create their own reality. A presidential speech is a, is, a, is, a, is a real thing, whether it's true or not. And so if a president lies, uh, he has to keep lying. Because uh, you can't admit that he's a liar. And, and these lies build on one another to the point where he's addressing the problem that he's created with his lies rather than the problem he was lying about, which doesn't go away. That's actually what happened with Vietnam. Uh, Johnson kept lying and lying and lying. In the meantime, we were losing a war, and he couldn't fix that because he was so tapped into his lies. That happens a lot. Yeah, you in the book, you uh, you quote uh, Hannah Arendt on this, saying that after a while, if you tell enough lies, no one believes anything anymore. And that was actually Robert Draper's point about the real uh, problem with the Iraq war was it undermined everybody's faith in the foreign policy establishment, which, again, we can trace now to 
all these absurd theories of the deep state. Um, uh, Eric, your book is a history of America. Uh, you focus on, on, on American presidents lying in state. Uh, so I'm not sure how strong you are on the comparative side. But is there something about America, given its history of advertising and fantasy, that makes it particularly vulnerable to presidential lying? I know you have some uh, observations in the book about the lies Americans told themselves, particularly, of course, about slavery, about the um, elimination of indigenous populations and of the impact of capitalism on, 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 on much of the population? Well, I don't know how I feel about answering that question. I know something about France. I know a lot about Israel. Uh, politics involves lies and different countries with different traditions tell different kinds of lies. Yes, the United States has had presidential, presidents have had to lie about race because in our Declaration of Independence, and we teach our school children that all men are created equal, but actually it's been a country built on white supremacy for almost all of its history. So you can't say we're built on white supremacy, you have to lie. We've also been a country that has been expanding since day one, uh, first across North America, then across the seas with our empire, which we don't admit to having, then with this enormous definition we have of national security, which allows our governments to overthrow whoever they want. Again, you need to lie for those reasons. But they lie in France, they lie in Israel, they certainly lied a lot in Germany uh, up until uh, they were roundly defeated. British politics isn't looking so good to me right now in terms of telling. I think, uh, again, America is in a, in a problematic situation right now vis-a-vis -vis lies because we have the most irresponsible of any major party in the Western world. We have the Republican Party, which is, is a crazy party now. It's, it's denying of reality. And, and in order to be a successful Republic, Republican politician, you have to lie. And we have a media that's very reluctant to say that a politician's lying. They say on the one hand, on the other hand, so we're in a crisis of lies right now. But are we, and, and, that, and that crisis is about 20, 25 years old. But in terms of our history, I think all, all, all countries are uh, liars in their own unhappy way, if I might borrow a, a butcher a phrase. Butcher, butcher a phrase. <laughs> well, thank you, Tolstoy, for adding your voice to this. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, Eric, uh, a few days ago, uh, somebody stood up at President Trump's quote-unquote press conference. We know that I, I think there are probably better words to use to describe what he's doing. And they asked him a question. They said, uh, Mr. President, after three and a half years, do you regret at all all the lying you've done to the American people? We, we've done pretty well, I think, Eric. We're 10 minutes into this conversation. And we haven't mentioned Donald Trump at all. Is Donald Trump, though, in your view, given that you've written this history of American presidents lying, you, you, you write a lot about Trump. The last two chapters in the book, it's about 100 pages or 80 pages. Is Trump something different? Does he, is it um, a completely different dimension? Or is it simply an exaggerated version of Nixon or 
or, or Clinton or Johnson? Well, Clinton doesn't belong in that sense. Um, it's something new, but it builds on a foundation of the past. Like I said, uh, presidents have always lied and mostly gotten away with it. Not all presidents, but most. Um, then uh, the Republican Party started going crazy and became this radical outlier, which uh, was driven by uh, fear of uh, colored people, people of color, and um, and and change and uh, sexuality. And, uh, and we created this right-wing media that reinforced these lies so that uh, you couldn't tell what was true anymore if you were just a casual viewer or reader. Um, this is something Hannah Arendt described uh, when she said, you know, the, the goal is to destroy the idea of facts so that anything becomes possible. Trump, uh, you know, he, he was a lifelong liar. His whole career was lies. He, that's, if you're going to work in New York real estate and be successful, that's okay. Everyone expects you to lie to them. But the media treated his lies like they were a cute uh, personality quirk. And, that, and they expected the presidency to, um, to make him, to, to grow him up a bit. And it didn't happen. I mean, Trump wouldn't be president. There are a lot of reasons, a lot of places Trump could have stopped and stopped. But if people had said, the guy is lying about President Obama. President Obama was born in this country. It's a racist lie to say that that birth is in question. And therefore, this man has no business being taken seriously. Um, that would have been the end of him. But instead, uh, it became his, his signal success. And by the time he won the Republican nomination, a majority of Republican voters were convinced that Barack Obama had not been born a plurality of Republican voters thought that Hillary Clinton was running a pedophile ring from a pizza parlor in Washington, <laughs> D.C., which led one of... I don't know Trump's why I'm laughing. ...said one of Trump supporters to go into that place with a gun to save the children and shoot the people who were holding them hostage. Um, so, so Trump, as president, according to the Washington Post, has told uh, 20,000 falsehoods. They don't call them lies. Um, and, uh, and sometimes the media, report, who, the part of the media that report them say, yeah. there's no evidence for this. They don't say the president lied when he said X, Y. Um, and so Trump gets away with about 80% of his lies. Even though everybody knows that he's a liar, he still gets away with it. And that's just genius. He's shameless. What's different about Donald Trump is he doesn't care that you know that he's lying. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, even Richard Nixon, uh, George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, they lied in support of goals. Trump just lies because he, he wants to win the next five minutes. Trump had a meeting with Justin Trudeau, and then he came out of the meeting, he said, Justin Trudeau said uh, this about trade, and I lied to him in response. Like, he admitted that he lied to the press right after he had the meeting. What was the point of lying if you're going to tell the world that you just lied? That's not how lying was supposed to work. Anyway, Trump is, uh, he's a pathological liar. He, does, he can't tell the truth. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. And he doesn't really care. So the, the, the press and the political establishment had no, had no experience with dealing with anyone like this. And he got away with it. Gets away with it far less today, but it's still too much for the health of the democracy to work very well. 
you quote Trump from his so-called autobiography. He says, I play to people's fantasies. I call it truthful hyperbole. Some people have suggested that Trump, for better or worse, has collapsed virtual reality and reality and turned the world into a, a, a real-time soap opera. Uh, and given that a lot of Americans seem to watch these soap operas anyway all day, you're a media expert, to what extent is this... Uh, a broader media problem, a kind of ontological problem about many Americans' version of reality, their sense that everything is fictionalized, everything is virtual reality, and whatever Trump is doing, playing the Trump show 24 hours a day, it's at least in their mind, in their perceptions, reality. Well, I don't know about soap operas. I think quote-unquote reality TV is probably a better metaphor. Reality TV is very popular. It's how Donald Trump became uh, a hero to many people. And it's not real. It's nonsense. It's totally fake in almost every case. And particularly in Trump's case, it was nonsense. Um, and yet uh, it's treated as if it's reality. And uh, it allows people to believe what they want to believe. In addition to that, you have this enormous right-wing media, which is watched more than the mainstream media. Fox News is the single most watched program on television right now of any show, not just news. So uh, people live in their epistemological closets without any light getting in. And they believe what they want to believe. And they're encouraged to do this by profit-making media. The biggest villain in this story is Rupert Murdoch, who has probably done more to destroy democracy and much of the planet than any other living human being right now. Um, and he gets rich doing it. And, uh, and Donald Trump and, and Rupert Murdoch have a kind of alliance where uh, they look after each other's uh, interests. So when, when Fox wanted to fire uh, one of their commentators for saying things that were overtly racist, Trump called him up and said no, and, and she kept her job. Um, so I, I think that this uh, epistemological closure that people live in is impossible to pierce. And that's why Trump has, a, has the support of 35 to 40% of the country when the country's in worse shape than it's been in since the Civil War. But Eric, it's all very well blaming Rupert Murdoch. We've been blaming, especially from the left, we've been blaming Murdoch ever since I can remember for the last 40 or 50 years. And certainly he has some responsibility here. Uh, as, in my view, at least, some of the left-wing media, you know, MSNBC and CNN now and their relentless criticism of Trump. Are you really so, calling CNN left-wing media? Because anti, we uh, well, let, 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 me, let me rephrase that. Anti-Trump me media. Well, anti-Trump media. But anyway, le leaving that aside. Are you calling CNN anti-Trump media? You can't be serious. CNN broadcasts everything Trump wants them to broadcast and without interference. CNN ran his election speeches unedited. He didn't even have to get out of bed. I, well, I think CNN hours. has shifted. I think it began sort of, it got suckered by Trump. But now I think most of the people, my guess is, who watch CNN are opposed to Trump. But leaving that aside, what responsibility to the people watching this media, particularly the media on the right, Fox News, the 35 or 40% of Americans, you say, who believe the lies, what responsibility do they have? I don't know if responsibility is the right way to look at it. Uh, some of these people are just uh, are just despicable. 
they're just bad people. They're evil. I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of these people are just sad and lonely and hopeless and fearful of the future. And they're being given a narrative that works for them, that they can blame immigrants, they can blame liberals, they can blame Jews, they can blame people like me. And me. Blame people of, and you, blame people of color, blame homosexuals, et cetera. And, and, and it, the story works for them. It's a very simple story. Everything was fine when white males ran everything. Then the Muslims and the Latinos and the gays and the Jews and the black Americans like Barack Obama and the feminists got together and screwed everything up. And those are the people who control the media, who are telling you lies. So we're telling you the truth. It, 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 it's very simple and it works. It, and, and, uh, and you can't reach those people. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm very angry at them because they're destroying my country. Uh, and, and, and the democracy, I don't think will survive another four years of Trump. But it's hard to say that it's their fault. I think the intelligent people who are manipulating them, like Rupert Murdoch and, and Lachlan Murdoch and, and the owners of, uh, and the people who get paid millions on, on Fox and uh, like uh, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram, I think these are the people who deserve to blame because they know better. I, I used to work with Laura Ingram and I've debated and I used to know uh, Tucker pretty well. They don't believe the nonsense that they're saying. It's they see it as their job, and it makes them rich. They're 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 paying heed to the, they're paying court, paying, they're 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 doing their duty to the king, who is Murdoch in this case. Um, it's not only Murdoch. Other people like Murdoch, Sheldon Adelson, uh, you know, other other uh, people who who are positions of responsibility. I'm not saying they pull the strings, but the position of responsibility. And the only responsibility they see is to their themselves and their shareholders. And, and that degree of greed and, and self-involvement is leading to the destruction of American democracy. Eric, finally, so what can we do about it? If we fix media, if, 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 if Murdoch becomes accountable, if, if, if the Carsons and the Ingrahams and all the rest of them, if they start telling the truth, does that fix the problem? You mean if pigs fly? Those things aren't going to happen. They have to so, be defeated. They have to be wiped out. This has to be like, you know, Athens and Sparta. We can't, we can't fix them. We have to, we have to win, period. Well, you, but you can't shut them down. I mean, even if they lose the election, still no, you can destroy their credibility so that they become irrelevant. And how, does, how do you do that? Well... If I knew that, uh, I, I, I would have did, written a different book. <laughs> so you don't know? No, I don't know. But, you know, we all have to do what we can. Well, we certainly do. Uh, and I think you've done all you can in lying in state, why presidents lie and why Trump is worse. A, a wonderfully truthful account of, uh, of, of Trump's lies and, and, and other American presidents. Uh, uh, finally, Eric, uh, you're on Cape Cod. Uh, everyone should read your book. What else should people be reading to make sense of the bizarre world we're living in in the summer of 2020? Well, it makes sense. I've been uh, on, a, on a Thomas Mann kick. Uh, I read Budenbrooks, and then since, since I was done with that, I read, I'm, I'm uh, just about done with The Magic Mountain, which I, I had read actually when I was 24. I had a URL pass. 
Um, and I, I remember reading it I, uh, on an all-day train from uh, Budapest to Berlin. And um, what I like about both of these books is uh, they, 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 they take a step out of day-to-day struggles and tribulations and give you a chance to think that you know history is long and you can't see you can't see what's happening in front of you and and uh and and maybe 50 years from now things will look very different and the other thing i like about it is that i like i said i read the magic mountain when i was 24 i'm 60 now and it's a different book it's a different world i understand things very differently now i'm sadder and wiser so to speak and uh, and that's that's something of a of a uh, comfort to me. I have a daughter who's twenty two that that worries me for her world. But uh, you know, there've actually been worse things than Trump. Um, Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were all worse than Trump. Um, and uh, and those countries survived and thrived uh, afterwards. So uh, you know, if Trump wins re-election and American democracy is destroyed, things will be bad for a long time. But uh, a long time is a long time. So that's my deep thought for today. You've been listening to Keen On, hosted by me, Andrew Key. Make sure to join us the rest of this season as we explore how to fix capitalism. Make sure to visit us at lithub.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're at it, if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would also help too. Today's episode was produced and edited by Justin Alvarez and the team at LitHub Radio. See you next week, and thanks so much for listening.